Welcome to Game Sense. I'm your host, Michael Alvaro, and on today's episode, we take a look at the recent AFLW Under-18 Championships results, preview the clash between Western Australia and Vic Country in the same competition, and take a look at the 2024 AFLW Super Draft. As always, I'm joined by Rookie Me Central Chief Editor Peter Williams. How are you doing today, mate? Yeah, really good. Looking forward to getting stuck into it. We're almost at the end of the National Carnival, and Plenty to talk about, and there are some that are casting their eyes to next year. So, uh, yeah, let's get stuck into it. Well, let's cast our eyes to the weekend's results, of course. Two AFLW Under-18 National Championship games, the first being on Saturday between Vic Metro and Vic Country. The Victorian Derby saw Metro win 7-10-52 to Country's 5-6-36 in pretty good conditions out at Trevor Barker Beach Oval. What do you think of the game firstly, Pete? Yeah, I thought it was a pretty entertaining contest. Uh, Metro had a lot of the going early, but just couldn't get on the board. And, and Vic Country actually took an early lead, uh, kept them uh, goalless in the first term and, and did lead for a large part. Uh, and then what we saw was basically, uh, you know, a bit of a turn and a shift with Metro, able to get more chances on the board and, and got it forward. And then, of course, we had Emma McDonald kick a couple of goals and, and that was pretty crucial uh, for Vic Metro and look just going from then on it was um, they were able to just stay ahead enough Vic Country did attack hard um, sort of late in the game but it was a bit too late for that and couldn't quite get enough to catch them uh, and yeah like there were plenty of impressive prospects across both sides really uh, and I guess in many ways Metro have sort of been that slightly better team um, purely because they've kind of uh, had a few players out with injury and they've been able to bring them back in for this game, uh, and that definitely helped. Definitely did, um, and we saw that in the result. Some good players are field in both teams and some returning faces as well. So um, I know that one player in particular impressed both of us and features in a very good highlights package on our Instagram page, but um, tell me a little bit about some of the standout players from either side. Yeah, of course, uh, referring to Ash Centra there. She was on the losing side for Vic Country. Had the 23 touches, four marks, three clearances, and two inside 50s. Missed a couple of chances she would probably norm- normally gobble up. She kind of hit the post on one, for example, uh, in a snap that just didn't curl enough. But she was just sensational. I think she was probably best on even in a losing team. And, and yeah, her highlights, if you haven't seen them, go to our Instagram page and check them out there. They're absolutely sensational. So she's going to be a very exciting prospect. She's definitely my number one for next year from Victoria. So um, really exciting talent. Uh, But on the other side, we had another athletic uh, key forward who's only really a second game back from a broken wrist, and that's Christy Lee Weston-Turner. The double-double barrel. Absolutely. Uh, Had the 17 touches, three marks, a couple of inside 50s. The one thing that let her down was her goal kicking, one four. Just got to have that bit more composure and, and whatnot, but... She's building, and I, I think when she gets that and has that bit more of, uh, I guess, not just composure, but just being able to make the right decisions uh, around goal and, and close to goal, um, she'll probably turn those 1-4 into, say, 3-2 or even 4-1, and then she's really doing a lot of damage. So she's definitely an exciting prospect. I think she's well, she's clearly in the top few and, and could well end up being potentially the first picked um, from Victoria this year, um, depending on how everything goes. And certainly from a tools perspective, she's um, one that's really exciting. And there's also some quirks with the drafting system in terms of the Victorian crop because a couple of clubs are going to have first dibs on some players uh, and some players may not nominate for that. So 
um, Hawthorne and Essendon, I'm looking at you. But um, we'll discuss that further at a later date. Um, just a word as well, Pete, on some of the returning faces, some girls who we thought were injured um, but ended up turning out today or on the weekend. Yeah, the, the initial word uh, earlier in the year that we'd heard, obviously, uh, one player in particular, Amy Gaylor, we'd heard, um, had unfortunately done her knee for the year. But um, then we saw her on the team sheet, which was quite interesting. We found out that fortunately for her, it wasn't the case. And she obviously made a return. Um, had the 10 touches, laid six tackles. Look, I mean, it's, it's obviously not going to be her best game because she's only just coming back, but she's got some handy traits. She's someone I think will get drafted. It'll probably be around that mid-draft range, but if she can build up some uh, match fitness over the next few weeks, that'll be really exciting. Um, Jacinta Hose was another one who returned. She's missed quite a lot of footy, came back via this game. She had the five touches, 15 hit-outs. She's got a bit of talent around the ground. She's definitely athletic, um, still building up some areas of her fundamentals, but certainly she tag-teamed with um, Jess Vukic, who um, is another one who's missed a bit of footy. She's come back and, and played some for Easton, though, of late and whatnot. So she's another one. Um, and Gemma Ragoni, who hadn't played in a month as well, also came back from Metro. Nine touches, a couple of rebounds, looked pretty exciting. So all in all, they had quite a few that returned um and yeah they were able to have an impact in some way shape or form fantastic they certainly did um we'll move on to the next game of course between wa and the allies and um a bit of a one-sided affair of course the black ducks getting up 11 14 80 to the allies 0 3 3 so a superb performance across all three lines for western australia playing away um yeah tell me a little bit about how the contest went yeah, well, it was very one-sided for sure, as you can kind of tell from the scoreline. But it was probably the the most odd aspect because the Allies actually smashed Western Australia in the clearances. They more than doubled them, twenty-nine to fourteen. But somehow, um, the inside fifties went the way of WA, fifty to twenty-nine, which is a a differential um, on both those counts you don't see too often because generally, if you're winning clearances, you're getting it forward or vice versa. So um, it was quite a yeah one-sided contest as the score suggests but full credit to WA they obviously lost their first game to SA but they were pretty brave in that contest SA missed a few chances but WA um, have had that time off they've played their full waffle W season so they're just focusing on academy now they've got a quite a bit of talent particularly bottom age level but it was uh, Caitlin Serhoy who really led from the front 24 touches nine marks five inside 50s um, she was just dominant in the first term. I think she had double-digit disposals and was just really exciting across um, that wing. I think that's her position. She'll play there, um, if anything, long-term at uh, the uh, AFLW level. Uh, so she's one to certainly keep an eye on. And I think the bottom age is Evie Coucher. It's amazing how much uh, time and space you have when you don't have to play on Lauren Young, like she did in game one. She had the 22 touches and seven marks and, and just everywhere. And, I mean, Zippy Fish, she's going to be a name that, I mean, aside from her name, which has been well brought up, um, you know, she's going to be one that continually gets talked about. Just an elite kick, great decision maker, explosive talent. She's just so exciting. And the other one's Molly O'Hare from... Uh, WA there. She's another bottom major. She's the next one I've got behind Fish for next year. She's just got similar athletic traits. She's she's tall. She's about that 178, good overhead. Um, and she played off half back, but still had the five inside 50s with her five rebound 50s. So um, knows how to use the ball. And when she's getting consistency into her game, she's very damaging. Absolutely. Um, of course, 
We do have MVPs named. Do you want to talk about them now or will we do that in a later episode? Oh, we'll probably wait till the uh, carnival's done. But, um, yeah, obviously there's a few that are coming through and, uh, yeah, we'll probably do a special episode on each of the five of them. Sweet. Well, let's jump ahead maybe and, and talk about the last game of the carnival, of course, between WA again and Vic Country. Um, that one's going down at Pentanet Stadium in Joondalup where we were um, a couple of months ago now. Uh, it's on Sunday, oh, sorry, Saturday, August 19, 12 o'clock local time. That's 2 p.m. Vic time for all the Vic Country parents and family and friends who want to tune in and can't make the trip over. But uh, in terms of the players, uh, we've spoken about a few who impressed in the last game, but who do you think are going to be the key, I guess, talents in this clash? Yeah, well, WA coming off a big win and Vic Country obviously coming off that loss. Um, I think it'll be closer on both counts. I think this could well be the closest contest of the carnival. They're both pretty evenly matched. I think Vic Country uh, and WA have a lot of speed in their game. So I think it's going to be really exciting, particularly if you see someone like, say, Sarah Halley going up against, um, you know, Zippy Fish. Uh, that's going to be pretty exciting. Lola Keck played a really good game on the weekend. So she's going to be another one that WA will look to try and um, curve her influence. Michaela Williamson, again, another one with speed. Ali Simmons in the ruck, I think, is where Vic Country can really take the advantage. I think her athleticism will give... Um, WA a bit of worries though it will be exciting if Georgie Cleaver returns she missed the game against the Allies she'll be able to match her in that area but if she doesn't play then yeah I think Simmons could really have a good day out Ash Centra she's always hard to match up on so I think whoever gets her will um, uh, have to really play well it could well be Mackenzie Webb she did well on Lauren Young in game one so that'll be good to see and of course she's an overager too so she right now is probably the um the top a overager i have uh, around the country so she's one that i think cl aflw clubs if they pick up an injury would have to consider she's a train on there at Fremantle at the moment um so i think they're going to be pretty key players and i mean if you look across the board they've both got plenty of draftable talent um as well as future draftable talent so I think it's going to be an exciting clash and uh, certainly one that uh, would be worth watching for anyone. And before I get your prediction, um, if you had to pick out one sort of key battle or facet of the game or one area where it will be won, what would that be? Yeah, I definitely think um, the midfield battle um, where you've got if, if Fish um, goes up against uh, Howley, for example, could end up on Keck or one of the speedsters. But I think that speed, whoever can get to the ball first, will be really exciting because they both love to break the game open. Uh, and I think that's going to be a telling uh, kind of aspect of the game. So I definitely think that winning the ball out of the midfield will be crucial, which is something WA didn't do on the weekend and still won by 77 points. So it's pretty uh, daunting if they start to win the midfield battle, uh, what they could do. All right, well... To finish off that segment, give me the winner of the game. Um, best of field and most goals. Yeah, so I think the winner, it's a pretty tough call. I'll go with WA just because it's in uh, in their home state, obviously. So I think that they'll have that little bit of an advantage. They don't have to travel, for example. Um, that'll be really good. Uh, in terms of the best on, it's hard to go past Zippy Fish again. Like She's getting a few mentions here, but clearly... Like, she's just been a standout. She'll probably win their MVP, depending on what happens with the final game. But she's just really starred for them. Um, and she doesn't really play a bad game. So, going to be pretty exciting to watch her over the next 12, uh, 12 months. But, yeah, so I think she'll probably be uh, the best on. And it'll be a pretty tight contest. I, I think it'll probably be in the uh, within a couple of goals. 
Yep, that should be good and hopefully it is nice and tight and we get an exciting showcase to round out the AFLW Under-18 National Championships for 2023. But we're going to go back to the future now um, and look at the 2024 AFLW draft crop and it's one that Pete has dubbed as a potential super draft. Of course, at the end of every year, we look ahead and and do a, a 23 in 2023 to watch. Next year, of course, it's going to be 24 players in 2024, but... The list is at 26, so a bit of a problem for you, Pete. But um, I guess generally, first off, tell me about why it's so good and um, just how deep the talent pool is looking. Yeah, I've, uh, to try and squeeze out the last two um, was pretty difficult. Um, and, I mean, at least I've got another few months to work it out. But initially, um, what I like to do with these kind of exercises is leading into the, uh, I guess, decision-making process, which comes out in the AFLW Draft Guide eventually at the end of the year, is just basically list all the locks or the players that would definitely be in there and whatnot. Um, and when I did it for this draft, it came to 36, which clearly um, isn't going to work uh, in a 24 and 24. So um, then I had to make the tough decisions of trying to just cut down some of the players and work out who are the real absolute locks and things like that. And it's very tricky because some of these players have been injured all year and others have only played parts and, and some are currently injured. And then there's uh, the other aspects you've got to rely on, which is development and whatnot and those who are ready made. So all different positions, whether or not they'll play a different position in their top age year to take over from the top ages who get drafted. So there's plenty to go into it, but it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely a really exciting draft because there's just so much top-end talent. And how do you think it compares to this year's crop, for example? Uh, it's definitely a lot stronger. Like, there's obviously talent in this year's draft. Um, naturally, every year there is. Um, I just think the top-end talent of next year, it, it drops a lot. Um, I should say it's um, it's raised the bar a lot higher down the order. So you could get someone in, say, let's say now, at say pick 35 that uh, in this draft would probably, that same amount of talent would probably be dropping around, say, the 20 mark. So I think that's probably where we're at uh, in terms of that. And this year's draft is just a, you know, an, a, a solid draft. It's an all-round draft. There's, you're going to get some talent, but... Next year's is, I think, it's going to be the best draft we've seen. I've seen a lot of drafts since it really began. So this is definitely the one I'm most excited about. And I know it's still over 12 months away, but there's just so much talent that's come through. And and not just this year, but previous years. Uh, This year's just built to it. And then, of course, there's always the surprise packets that come around during the year too. So it's going to be a really fascinating year. And I think a lot of clubs will be keeping an eye on these players and and trying to work out how they can, I guess, potentially manoeuvre up the draft order. And it's funny, you probably always have throughout the drafts, um, you know, two or three players that you would have seen from when they were 15 years old um, that were playing up the grades at under 18 level from from early on. Pretty much all of these players have have done that really, um, all the ones that we'll we'll speak about. Let's start at the top of the tree. Um, Give me your top five nationwide for next year there's some good representation across the states so shoot give me him yeah absolutely look if i had to um if you twist my arm told me who the number one would be it would probably be havana harris at this stage uh gold coast suns academy member 
Uh, you know, she's 180 centimetres plus, uh, but has explosive speed. So try and make sense of that. Um, she's so talented. She can go into the ruck or line up in the midfield. She can play forward, um, you know, good overhead. She can convert goals, uh, rack up the ball with ease. She can easily have a 30 disposal game. So right now she's probably the, the top pick. Um, but in saying that, as I said, this is a really competitive field. So, um, if I was going to kind of round off five, that the other three I should say that I've kind of locked in at this stage, Ash Centra, um, obviously, Gippsland Power, big country. Um, she obviously starred on the weekend. She's been brilliant for a couple of years now. She's one that's always caught the eye. Zippy Fish, uh, of course, mentioned her again. Um, she's shorter than the other ones on these lists, but her skill and decision-making is just elite. And another one with fantastic skill and, and vision is India Rashid out of South Australia. She'll be one to watch. Obviously, Roger's daughter. Um, you're not really a father-daughter when it's a tennis <laughs> coach, but um, she's definitely got a lot of talent in this code. Uh, and then the fifth one I put in uh, is Lou Painter at this stage. She's injured at the moment, um, but there are quite a few that are, I guess, putting their name up. You've got Emma McDonald. You've got Sarah Howley. Even Sophie McHale. Obviously, there's a few that are from Vic there. And, and then South Australia's been brilliant throughout. So... Um, there's quite a few names jumping up off the board there, but certainly at this stage, they're probably the five that I'd, uh, I've had, uh, yeah, with plenty of footy still to come. I'm surprised. I know she's injured, but you haven't mentioned Georgia McKee. Yeah. We, will, we will get into um, the extended list of players, players as well. So um, state by state, we'll start in Victoria. Who else has really caught your, your eye and will likely feature in that you know, 24 and 2024 piece. Yeah, as, as I said, sort of Emma McDonald's one who, as a key forward, has, has come along this year. She's one of the ones that's probably popped up uh, this season. I saw her in round one, and I've sort of seen her each week, but round one, immediately she caught the attention just with her athleticism, ability to go for those big marks, and she's a reliable kick for goal generally, so she's able to uh, hit the scoreboard quite frequently uh, kicked a couple of goals on the weekend after five goals in her first national carnival game as a bottom major. Um, and then as we said, um, Sarah Howley, you know, just playing, she's played wing midfield, can play anywhere, just an elite runner, got explosive speed. Uh, Sophie McKay, obviously Carlton father, daughter, she's probably behind McDonald's, probably the next one for me from Metro. Number one for me. Go yeah, blues. well, you wouldn't want that, though, if you're yeah. a Carlton supporter. <laughs> um, and then I've got a couple of the Vic Country tools. Millie Lang, uh, obviously rebounding defender. Ali Simmons is another one. Ruck, athletic. She's the standout sort of ruck um, from Victoria next year. Lulu Field, um, again, another great defender. And Sienna Tallaridi, who's played everywhere on the field, but I think she's really found her spot in defense. She can play midfield forward, but... Um, yeah, she's definitely one of the ones to watch for next year. As you can see, there's quite a bit of um, depth across the board, defence, midfield, forward. And to be honest, there's a lot of talent that isn't on that list that is uh, was initially I had as locks. So um, it's interesting to see the talent that's sort of popped up. I think fair to say depth in talent, that would be a lock in this year's draft. Not to bag this year's draft, but it just shows the sort of depth across next year's crop at least so we're projecting uh, over to south australia of course we've mentioned india rashid i alluded to georgia mckee who are some of the other players that you think are going to be around the mark yeah uh, georgia mckee uh is uh, could potentially force that top spot from south australia as well only difference is she's that little bit shorter uh, around that 160 mark but look just elite 
goal sense, elite skill. Um, very similar to Ava Jordan, um, but she does have that, um, I guess, explosive speed and uh, whatnot. And she obviously has the extra 10 centimetres. So while she's smaller, um, she's still that 160. So um, she's going to be really uh, highly touted. She's coming back from an ACL. So hopefully she recovers well from that and can really impact the Sample W season. She was just a star, won a couple of games for Central District off her own boot the year before. Um, Charlotte Riggs, another, uh, another Central District prospect. Uh, key defender generally can go through the ruck and has even had stints up forward. Poppy Schultz, uh, Matilda's uh, younger sister, she's a 180 centimetre player, similar to Havana Harris, can kind of play anywhere. She's played as a wing, uh, inside, ruck, defender, even gone forward. So she's a genuine utility. Um, Jasmine Evans is another one who's popped up. She was um, nowhere near it in terms of um, recruiters knowing about her. A, you know, 18 months ago, and then she sort of really starred at the, uh, I guess, regional kind of competition, um, got into Central District's program and just had a brilliant 2023. So she's one to keep an eye on. And Lucy Boyd's the other one who's had a lot of injury concerns this year, but she can play at both ends and is really athletic. And we know that Havana Harris is arguably top of the tree. She's from Queensland, uh, of course, split into the Gold Coast and Brisbane Lions academies. Who else in Maroon is, you think, uh, going to be up there? Yeah, so from uh, Queensland, and this is the the hard thing, I have to cut out a couple from here, just the bottom end, not quite as, uh, I guess, shown as much as some of the others, purely because they haven't had that chance because the Queensland has been quite strong. Um, but definitely Tara Harrington's in there. Um, she's a great decision maker, can play middle defender. Um, you know, she uses the ball well. She's going to be someone who... Um, I think has a really good season next year when she plays permanent midfield. Uh, and then you've also got the only Cairns product out of uh, Queensland this year in Heidi Talbot. She's generally a half forward, but she even rotated into defence uh, at a time this year. So she's someone who's got a lot of great athletic traits and um, she's very clean. She's someone who can uh, do a lot of damage on the scoreboard, but he's also really creative. So she's one to keep an eye on there. And over in WA, there's Zippy Fish. Who else is part of that Black Ducks crew? Yeah, so there's a couple of uh, South Fremantle players. Molly O'Hare I mentioned earlier. Um, just that really prototype tall, about that 178 kind of height. She can play half back, half forward, midfield. Um, really good aerially, um, great kick. Um, she was really building up her consistency and, and just her accumulation, but she's been able to find a bit of that of late. And yeah, she can do a lot of damage because um, she can explode away and then use the ball well. So with a good season, she could be right up at the pointy end. Um, Noah McNaughton's another one. She's similar to Georgia McKee, uh, that little bit shorter, around that 160 or just below 160. Um, but she's just got brilliant um, game sense and goal uh, goal craft, I guess, inside 50. She's able to just pick it up and, and snap off a couple of steps. So she's one that I think is really exciting and one to watch. And then the other one I've got, uh, I can't not put her in, Claudia Wright. She's one that probably is the least known on this list to people who um, might be even familiar with this. Uh, she's a Claremont talent. Uh, hasn't played all year. She's been injured, but they still put her in the um, WA squad anyway um, because they, you know, they rate her that highly, just been around the group and whatnot. Um, but as a under-16s player last year, she showed so much talent. She's got a lot of upside. Played half forward, can play wing, um, could even play half back, but she's just got that upside through her athleticism and her skills. So I'm excited to see what'll, um, how she'll recover and come back, but um, she was already a part of a pretty impressive squad, so I'm very keen to see uh, what 
she can do next year. And we know how well the Allies have done in the boys' competition. On the girls' side of things for next year, are there any talents from those states who catch your eye? Yeah, so there's two that I've included in this 24 and 24. Obviously, it's a little bit tougher because you don't always get to see as much of the states, barring Tasmania, obviously. You've got Northern Territory and, and New South Wales ACT. Um, from Northern Territory, Tatiana Perry, um, I've sort of said on record that she's probably the most exciting NT prospect I've seen come through um, over the years. Uh, and, and that's saying something because we, we always have exciting NT prospects that come through and have a brilliant highlights package. She's a genuinely uh, a midfielder inside or out, has been playing a lot of defence for the Allies as that bottom major, but she also got games as a 16-year-old. So um, really keen to see how she can progress, but she's just such a calm and composed ball user. Uh, and then Mackenzie Williams out of Tasmania is another one. Um, who I really like. Um, I'd, I'd like her to probably tidy up her kick in a little bit, but her aerial ability, her game sense to be able to get into the right positions to intercept and um, I guess bomb the ball out of danger is really one to um, keep an eye on. And, and just for New South Wales ATT, I had it just outside this group, but Ash Patton's one I've got an eye on. I think she's probably the top one for next year, but there's still quite a few that have shown signs at different points. Um, and as I said, there's a long way to go, so plenty to change in there. Awesome. Well, there's definitely a fair few players to look forward to in next year's draft and definitely some to watch on the weekend uh, from this year's. But that's all we've got time for on the latest episode of Game Sense. Pete, thanks for joining me today. No worries. Really enjoyed having a, a nice chat. Bit of, uh, I guess, fun as well. Looking forward to the, uh, the future. Definitely be sure to check out Rookie Me Central where we'll have our regular previews, reviews, scouting notes and more on all of the players mentioned. Um, But that's all we've got time for. Make sure you subscribe to us on your favourite podcasting platform for all the latest episodes and follow at Rookie Me Central on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube and Threads. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you tune in next week.